Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special Blake Street Irregulars, your local Colorado Rockies podcast of Mile High Sports. My name is Sean Drotar. Special because it is the last weekend of the regular season, and the Rockies are somewhere where they have never been before. Before we get into that, we'll tell you about our sponsors at Tap 14. If you've been listening to the podcast, you're fully aware of how much I love this place, with good reason. 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 distilled Colorado spirits available, and a rotating, regionally sourced, locally sourced menu that changes. Changes all the time. It's delicious. And, and if you're in Colorado right now in this last weekend of the regular season, you'll notice that fall weather seems to be coming. It's more than welcome because uh, Colorado is not Arizona. And it doesn't need to be 105 degrees. So the fall weather is here, but that's okay because at Tap 14, even the rooftop bar there, you're still undercover. They can still close the whole thing down so you can stay nice and cozy and warm. Still enjoy all the food and drinks. Catch all the games you want to. So rain, shine, everything in between. That's the place to go. It's 1920. Blake Street, just cat a corner of Coors Field itself. Check them out at Tap 14. That's tap14.com. Spell it out, tap14.com. Uh, with me today is editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine, Doug Ottawill. You can follow him on Twitter at D Ottawill. And this is a, a very special Rockies broadcast because they have never been, Doug, in first place in the NL West this late in the season. There are only three games to go. They have a one-game lead over the Dodgers. Yeah, and you and I have never done a podcast with the Rockies in first place this late in the season, ever. Not that, ever. That too? I mean, this is special in so many ways. How about that? I, I, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> That's really sweet, Doug. But in the, in the Rockies' case, they have, a, uh, they have a magic number to clinch even, and it's three. Of course, they only have three games left, so maybe don't read too much into that. That's the advantage of having a lead. But the, they will take on the Washington Nationals. They could potentially be facing Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer. They may also not face either. As we stand here on, on the Friday recording this, a few hours before the Rockies will take Washington on, uh, the opening game will be Freeland versus uh, Ross. And then Saturday is expected to be John Gray, who will certainly pitch, versus Strasburg. Now, whether Strasburg actually comes and pitches in that, I don't know. This is a guy with a very lengthy injury history. The game doesn't mean anything to Washington. Quite frankly, if I if I were in charge of Washington, I wouldn't play him. But you never know. Madison Bumgarner is going to play tonight for the Giants against the Dodgers. He actually had to start pushed back to make sure he could take on the Dodgers. But that is a long and nasty rivalry that goes all the way back to when they were both in New York. Yeah, I, I love the, uh, the commentary. I think it was on ESPN this morning of how uh, Bumgarner is going to want to go the distance tonight. And uh, then hit the hay so that he could come in in late relief on Sunday if necessary. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. I mean, hey, good for the Rockies that they're, that that rivalry runs so deep that Bruce Bochy is willing to say, you know what, let's just jab it in them just a little. And, and you know, because of that move, the Giants want to win that game. I mean, they want to win the series. They'd love they, to sweep them. They'd love to have the Dodgers miss the playoffs yeah, if they and, could. Look, the Giants did not have a good year, but the Giants still have good players, and they're not going to roll over and die, a la the Phillies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that bodes well for the Rockies. But I still, and we've talked about it all week, what more can you ask than to have a lead in the division, at this point a one-game lead, and control your own destiny? I mean, it's it's not reasonable on the outset to say, hey, we need 10 in a row. But at this point, I think it's pretty reasonable to go, we need three more. Yeah, I think that's the way you have to look at it. Don't say we're trying to win 10 straight. Say we're trying to win three straight. And you do that by saying we're just trying to win tonight. 
and that's the way the Rockies need to take it. Truthfully, I think if they can win two out of three, I think they'll be okay, but you don't want to leave anything to chance because uh, you're in a weird spot where uh, the Rockies and the Dodgers and the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Brewers could all be tied at the end of the regular season requiring three tiebreaker games. It is that close. Uh, the Braves over in the a- uh, NL East have they've clinched that. They will play the same Phillies that the Rockies just plowed through. The 32-run difference in that series, the uh, tied for the biggest in the modern era of baseball, which is 100 years ago. So they, that was an absolutely... A remarkable series by them, but uh, a lot of that was, let's face it, the Phillies have packed it in, and they're not expected to probably do much better against the Atlanta Braves. So for the Rockies, if they were to win the NL West ostensibly, as it stands today, they would play those same Braves. Uh, You'd like to see maybe the Phillies find a way to steal one or two and maybe even have the series be held at Coors Field for the home field advantage. But in baseball, the truth of the matter is, it doesn't actually matter that much. It's not like it is in a lot of other sports. The The home team doesn't win some 75%. They win some right. like 53 It's I mean, it's not a huge difference. You'd like to have it in your barn, but in series, you will have some there. So we'll see how it shakes out. But for the Rockies, the, they now can literally take a look at the NL West and say, we are going after the division. In fact, the division is ours. All we have to do is not cough it up. Yeah, and I think the division has got to be the goal and. You know, I watched the the celebration of the Brewers when they, you know, earned the wild card. Look, if I am Dick Monfort, I'm there's no champagne for anything until the division is won. I don't care if, you know, the wild card contenders fall off and you you win tomorrow and that means you're in the wild card, like just keep everything on ice. All all the Rockies should care about at this point is winning the division. And even if they do somehow lock up a a wild card spot by tomorrow, which I think is mathematically possible, uh, I would not I would not care about that one bit. I think they have to care about the division. Yeah, it's an interesting angle because Milwaukee did celebrate, and and that seems reasonable. The truth is Milwaukee has 92 wins. They are only one game behind the Cubs in the Central and for the best overall record in the NL. And they get the Tigers to finish the season who are long gone right and the cubs have the cardinals with both teams having major implications the cardinals are trying to stay in the wild card run the cubs are trying to fend off milwaukee to even hold on to the division so right this is an interesting spot for for them you figure the cubs and cardinals are going to end up kind of knocking each other around i find it hard to believe that either team's going to sweep the other which is probably a good thing for the Rockies. Now it comes down to basically what they do and what the Dodgers will do. So uh, that's really the biggest trick for the Rockies to make sure they they go ahead and do that. Obviously, they've been red hot. David Dahl, four straight games with a home run. Trevor Story, two straight with a home run. 35 on the year. Probably the best offensive season a Rocky shortstop has ever had. And yes, I'm aware Troy Tulowitzki played here. Uh, these guys have to stay hot, however. It, it, they are playing well, but they are also playing hot. Yeah. And you have to stay hot over the course of this weekend. Yeah. Boy, how quickly we forget about Napy Perez. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think Freddie Benavides. Yes. There there's some uh real advantage in my mind to I mean, there's an obvious advantage of having a lead in the division. But I think the psychological advantage is that you don't have to scoreboard watch. No. You, you do not care what's going on in left field and what numbers are flipping and, and all those things because 
if what you do is go out and play like they've been playing, and as you said, there could not be a more red hot team in baseball. And and maybe that's just a Colorado thing. Maybe you know, you think back at Rocktober and, and they won twenty one to twenty two. I mean, I, I haven't done the math. All I know is that they've won seven straight. And to finish a season, I think we did a podcast kind of on the tail end of the Dodger series, and we said, look, this thing doesn't look good, even if they play great baseball and go seven and three or eight and two, like it's a pretty tough hill to climb. Neither one of us sat here and said, yep, you got to go 10 straight. Like that's just not realistic. But as we sit, it's looking realistic, and especially considering the way that they've been playing, the way they've been pitching. I mean – I sure hope, and and I know that we will be scoreboard watching, I sure hope the Dodgers afford them some cushion, um, especially given that on Sunday, it's sort of a wild card as to who would pitch, and it could be just about anybody. But for, for the, for for the, the Nationals Rock- and the Rockies. And the Rockies. Uh, yeah. Nobody knows what that pitching matchup is going to be like. It depends on how it shakes out. If the Dodgers were to, say, continue their losing streak, there's been a little luck in this. Let's not pretend there hasn't. The Dodgers have had a two-game losing streak at the wrong time. And simultaneously, the Cardinals have lost three in a row. Yeah, uh, That's nothing the Rockies had anything to do with. It's just fortunate that it broke that way. Now you have to take advantage of it. And you're right. If uh, To me, that's why this game, and I know it could end up being Sunday as a decider, I, but this game to me feels like the most important. Absolutely. Because you know you're going to have to win two out of three. Two is your magic number to at least get into the postseason. So... You know you need to win two or three. You don't want to count on anybody else to do it for you. If you win on Friday, now you look at the, the last two games and say, hey, you know what, guys? We're, we're okay. We just, we just win one of these. You don't want to lose on Friday. Then wake up on Saturday morning and say, we have to win for the rest of the entire then weekend. The pressure that is, is there's on. a big pressure difference from saying Huge. we can go 50-50 and probably be okay or lose on, on our Friday game tonight as we record this and go, uh-oh, now we probably have to win out, especially if the Dodgers were to win. And you'd wake up Saturday morning in a tie again. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you make a great point. Up till now, the Rockies have kind of been playing on house money because I think after that Dodgers series, they basically probably went into the locker room and Bud Black and amongst each other all collectively said, you know what? What do we got to lose? Like, we screwed this up. Let's just go out and win every game we can and keep playing and see what happens, see how it shakes out because – if you're starting to do the math, and we all do the math, at the at the outset of this last 10 games, you're saying, well, if the Dodgers do this, the Rockies have to do that. If the Rockies do this, the Dodgers can only have to win this many. I mean, there were so many mathematical scenarios that seemed likely or most likely that the Dodgers would basically be running away with this thing that the Rockies really had nothing to lose by saying, let's just go out and just see what happens. And I think they've taken that approach. It's obviously worked out for them. And I do think that it's an interesting dynamic that uh, I think the the National League West for sure, but I would even extend it a little bit further to the National League. I think in general, teams do not like the Dodgers. They are the Yankees of the National yeah, they're League. they're the big money team. It feels like they buy their way out of all the troubles. Yeah, yeah and, and, and there is some resentment there, I, sure. I had this uh, debate. Cowboys style for exactly. NFL fans, that kind the, of team. The, the, I had this debate with Eric Goodman the other day on the on the radio show, but – you know, Eric said, oh, look, the Dodgers are an excellent organization and their core is made up of primarily draft picks, which it All is. true. Yep. But I, I make this argument, and I think this holds true of the Yankees, the Dodgers, um, all teams that sort of operate with a huge budget. It's not so much that you don't do things well, because I definitely think the Dodgers do things well. It's that 
if you don't, you don't have to pay for your mistakes. Right. If you're the Rockies and you sign Brian Shaw to a big deal, well, you just lost out on that big deal. The Dodgers go, crap, that's a little money we wish we wouldn't have spent, but let's just go get another guy who's probably better than him. Or they they can afford to say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna make a trade with one of our farm system players because we got players, and if and if that farm system guy were to come up, well, now I guess we'll just get a free agent instead of bringing up a kid of our own. They're, they can just buy their way out of things and buy their way out of trouble, whereas other teams can't. And I think, yes, they operate well. Yes, they have great homegrown players, but they also have that one edge that not many people do. And I think that bodes well for the Rockies, considering that I'm not. I'm definitely not saying that the Nationals are going to lay over and die, but would it surprise you to hear that anyone else in the National League would be off the record a little bit happy if the Dodgers lost out and the Rockies got in? No. And to be honest, you may even see the same uh, to an extent with the Cubs, who now have really rocketed themselves into that world, too. They they have a tremendous television contract. They're a big money team now as well. So I I think that, yeah, the rest of the the league uh, in the AL, if you were to say, you know, we don't like watching – Boston and New York every year? Yeah, I bet everywhere but Boston and New York thinks exactly that. How would you like to be Tampa Bay, for example? They have 88 wins right now. Yeah. They can finish with 91 Can't wins. Get a sniff. means nothing. You're not even close. <laughs> you have no chance. They are already eliminated from the postseason. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens when you get stuck in one of those divisions with the big dogs. And the Rockies, truthfully, have the equivalent of that in the NOS because both the Dodgers and the Giants – are top five, top six, top seven spending teams every single year. The Rockies are in basically a spot like the the Rays. Yep. You have to have a great year, but you also have to have it at the right time. Yeah. And, and for the Rockies, it's all come together, but you hope that they understand without being too tight and without being one too tight about it, that they understand we're good enough to do this and we better take advantage of it because it's not always going to be this way. The Giants aren't always going to be down. They're not going right. to have the injury problems they had. The Dodgers aren't going to have these weird wobbly seasons like they have. They've also had injury problems. So the Rockies need to take advantage of this. Winning the winning the division is always, uh, in the current alignment, unless they realign at some point, uh, always going to be a rarity for them, even when they have a good team. So this is a really unique opportunity. I think when we, when we look at these games, we look at uh, Kyle Freeland pitching, obviously, uh, to start off on Friday. That's a, that's a great sign. It may mean very well that he's not your opening starter in any pl- any, any playoff situation. But given the way it should work out, Marquez may be. Let me give you the numbers of these guys over their last seven starts. They are jaw-dropping. Kyle Freeland, in his last seven starts, the team is 6-1. and one. Freeland himself is 5-0. and oh. He's thrown 38 in, uh, thirty-eight and a third innings in that span. He hasn't gone fewer than six innings in those seven starts. He hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in any of those last seven starts. His ERA is two point eight two, and he has a forty to thirteen strikeout to walk ratio in those thirty-eight innings. That's phenomenal. Wow. I yeah, mean, well, I, wait I, till I, you hear Marquez. All right, bring it on. Me. Same thing. Last seven starts. Now the team is five and two. That's a little different than the six and one. And Marquez himself is three and one. Okay. He also has thrown no fewer than six innings in any of the seven starts. He also has given up no more than three earned runs in any of those last seven starts. Freeland's ERA of 282 is phenomenal. Marquez's is 2.02. He's really been unhittable. I mean, no one has really got to him. And get this one, 44 innings pitched, 70 strikeouts, seven walks. Wow. I was doing the uh, quick math. That's a 10 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio and nearly Averaging almost two per inning 
This is unprecedented. The run that Marquez is on is, I think, only comparable to what we saw in in the great year Ubaldo Jimenez had. Yeah. And I'd have to go look it up because I'm not really sure even Ubaldo had a stretch like that. I mean, Ubaldo was one of those guys that, you know, when he was on, and he was definitely on late in the season and throughout the playoffs, he was uh, unhittable because he just had so much movement on every pitch. And, and I think... uh you know, your memory kind of remembers some of those nasty, you know, wipeout pitches. But I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I would be surprised if even his numbers were as good as Marquez's are right now in terms of this stretch. Yeah, it's it's been pretty crazy. And, and if you want to go even a little bit further down the list in the last seven starts, which includes uh, yesterday, Antonio Senzatella, the team is... Of, uh, they have won four of those. Uh, his record is uh, rather middling two to two uh, in that span. But at the same time, even though it hasn't been pretty, hasn't been nearly as electric, he doesn't strike out the same number of guys. That all isn't happening. I get that. But the truth of the matter is he's been effective. His ERA and now has basically uh, dropped to just about three. It's about 3.07 during that span. And uh, he has struck out. Uh, 27 guys in 35 innings. It's not, uh, there's nothing really wrong with it. Doesn't hold up to the other two, but you're talking, we haven't even gotten to John Gray, ostensibly the Rockies most talented pitcher. Yeah. So now you're seeing good pitching. The bullpen has been good as a team. They've been good in September and they are peaking at the right time. The the catch is finding a way to do it. Uh, When you look at the keys to these series, when you look at anything, what do you what do you want to see if you said that the Rockies do X over the next three games? They're in. Well, I think the the Besides first thing win. Yeah, can't do that. The first thing you have to look at is that their bats have been on fire, and the you know the thing that happened to them against the Dodgers is that they literally went ice cold on offense. They could not hit the ball. They could not move runners. They could not get hits with guys on scoring position. In the last seven games, they have done that at an unbelievable clip i mean you and i were talking about it the other night they went two innings in a row where the full lineup went through the order i mean it was just you know they could not the phillies could not get the rockies out they just couldn't and i think you know you think of certain at bats i go back to that david david doll at bat where he was oh and two and winds up hitting you know just a bomb to center on a high fastball like that's the kind of offense that they've been playing and they've been, you know, everybody's swinging a good bat now. And, and it just feels like that has to keep up if they're to, if they're to win this series or especially sweep. I think the other thing that you have to look at, um, and I think a lot of it is, I hate to pin it on one guy, but that second game, you know, let's forget about whether they win or lose the first game. I, I think everybody feels good with Freeland going on the mound. That second game is John Gray and, and, I think this is a pivotal game for John Gray because if the Rockies are if the Rockies were to happen to lose on Friday night, then it's a must win for them on Saturday. And it puts John Gray sort of almost in that one game playoff position once again. If they are to win on Friday night and Gray takes the mound on Saturday, uh it's a chance for him to essentially seal the deal. I mean, they have a, a good chance to well, they definitely have a good chance to to make the wild card if that's the case, and they have a really good chance to win the division if they win on Friday night. So I think, you know, it, it is aside from the hot bats and all the things that you know are 
you know, sort of the obvious answers. I think you have to get a win from John Gray and it, and you have to get six innings. You there's the one thing you cannot have is for him to have a disaster outing where he, you know, just is putting the ball over the middle of the plate and, and gets chased after two or three innings. You have to have a good outing from John Gray in game two. I think that's fair. And when you look at the way that the, these pitching uh, series breaks out, and we've talked about Freeland going on Friday. Some of the ideas of how good Freeland has been, if, if you go to uh, some of the newer metrics, war, uh, war staff for pitcher wins above replacement. Kyle Freeland's eight is the best in franchise history. The 2010 season by Ubaldo Jimenez at 7.5. Nobody else in the history of the Rockies has gotten over 5.9. His ERA at 2.84, if he lowers that tonight by smidge, might be the best that any Rockies pitchers ever had. Marvin Freeman had 2.80 in 1994. Uh, Freeland might be able to just barely get under that. He might have to have an absolute spectacular game and get a shutout, but that's an idea of how good he's been. He gets the win tonight. That'll be second all-time on the single season marks, too. Only Jimenez 19 wins. Uh, up would beat uh, Freeland 17, which would be tied with a lot of guys. Uh, Marquez now passed Ubaldo Jimenez in strikeouts again. Uh, most in a single season for him, 221. So it's really been pretty remarkable. And very quietly, Wade Davis breaks the Rockies' record in saves in yesterday's game in the finale against the Phillies with 42 passing Greg Holland's 41 set the year before. So not, not only are they peaking, but now that you're starting to look at an almost 162-game set, the, the Rockies have done some very, very impressive things. So there's a lot of reason to be bullish about it. Uh, I, I, there's you, you almost don't want to talk too much about it because so many things could go right the Rockies could waltz into the playoffs and have a home advantage in the uh, in the divisional series they could also still miss this is the trick I mean we are Rockies fans <laughs> we are covering the Rockies like there's it, we have no reason to feel comfortable about anything ever until it's a done deal and, and I think that's really that's that's Probably how the Rockies themselves have to look at it. A, a little bit of the... It absolutely is. You know, we're the Rockies, and we cannot afford to think anything's going to come our way. You like, know, and the truth of the matter is, I think the last time they did that was when they walked into Los Angeles, and it did not go so well. Mm -hmm. So I, I think they have to be able to play. They have to realize, look, you are never Goliath. You are David, and you have to treat always. it that way every time if you're the Colorado Rockies. So this is going to be a phenomenal uh, weekend of baseball. It's going to be something that's unprecedented, as we've talked about, and it may end up with an unprecedented finish with the Rockies finally winning their first ever NL West championship. But as Doug said, uh, we're Rockies fans. I'm not going to say anything about that till it counts. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna knock on this wood here and, and everything that it takes to make sure you don't uh, you don't jinx it. So uh, this will be fun to, uh, to pay attention to. We'll be back next week and we'll take a look at what I hope will be a playoff matchup one way or the other. But it's been a, an awfully fun season. It's going to end on a very, very fun note. And uh, it's been terrific to continue this far and actually be able to go with, with uh, you listening week after week after week as the season took all its twists and turns. I want to thank our sponsors at Tap 14 who have also stuck with us. And by the way, there's still games all this weekend at Coors Field. And hey, hopefully next week into the playoffs, even when baseball season isn't going, though, no reason to stop at uh, going to Tap 14. If you're going to a Broncos game, for example, you still go there and you hop a bus. And you take it from there, no problem. Avoid all the parking, avoid all that expense, avoid all the traffic. Just enjoy that with your friends. So there's, uh, it's a great place to be. Check them out at tap14.com, spell it out, tap14.com. For Doug Ottawill, follow him on Twitter at dottawill. Check out what he writes on milehighsports.com. And, of course, get your copy of Mile High Sports magazine. If you can pick that up locally or you should, do what you should be doing is you should go to milehighsports.com slash subscribe. 
get it sent to your house. You don't have to do anything. We'll bring it to you. Right. So there you go. My name is Sean Drotar. Thank you for listening. This is the Blazer Regulars on Mile High Sports.